Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 38. Recorded April 2nd, 2020. On this episode, I speak with Jose Martinez. Some of you may know Jose Martinez. He is currently the transit reporter for The City. The City is an independent, nonprofit news outlet dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York City. Prior to the city, Jose was transit reporter for New York One. Prior to New York One, he was court reporter for the New York Daily News and the New York Post. And excitingly, he's making his third appearance on the podcast. On Thursday, March 26, 2020, Jose and I spoke over the phone. And on this episode, we discussed the coronavirus and what that means for mass transit now, and what that may mean for transit in New York City in the future. After my conversation with Jose Martinez, I will speak on what we learned from Jose and my thoughts on what we learned from him. Following my summary, I will have contact information for Jose Martinez, the city, and myself. Please enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Jose Martinez. Some of you may know Jose Martinez. He is currently the transit reporter for the city. The city is an independent nonprofit news outlet dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Prior to the city, Jose was transit reporter for New York One. Prior to New York One, he was court reporter for the New York Daily News and the New York Post. And excitingly, he's making his third appearance on the podcast. Thanks for being on the podcast. Strange times we live in, huh, Sarah? It's definitely. I mean, we are currently living through extraordinary circumstances, both personally and professionally. How are you holding up? I have to tell you, I miss the subway. I miss city life. And it's really an incredibly strange time for all of us. Uh, there are millions of people that live in the city, and life has been turned on its side. Uh, fortunately, as a reporter, I've been plunged into this story of like all my peers who, who report this city, and there's a lot to do. It's a busy time. It's a terrifying, sad time, but it's a busy time. So the work is always there, and the stories are always there, but the topic is grim, and the reality is very grim uh, for what I cover, transportation, uh, for what I live in, the city of New York. I live in Manhattan, and it's just it's it's terrible and very sad but it's one of those things where you have to hope that eventually we'll pull through this it's pretty grim time right now sure and i'm getting used to phone calls from my living room and that's my newsroom now it's a good place to be it's lovely wet it's lovely weather to be inside in your own apartment Again, what I cover, transit, transit has been reduced, but it's still been going. And it's the subway runs 24-7. The buses are still going. While there is a reduced schedule, uh, it's important to know just how essential this is for a city like New York, a city that depends on its mass transit. So I haven't been short on stories. 
point is the transit component to all of this COVID-19 uh, mess that we're in. It is uh, it's enormous, and it has tremendous, huge implications for the city, for its people, for how we move around, uh, for our economy, uh, for the being of the city and the region. It's really hard to get a handle on the impact of coronavirus on the way of life here in New York, in the five boroughs, uh, and also, like I said, how we move around. You know, the, the majority of people rely on mass transit. It's the lifeblood of the city. It's the economic engine in many ways. And uh, what are things going to look like uh, on the other side of this? And that's a big question that, that uh, we'll find out the answer to at some point. Well, you did mention the reduced schedules, and we are on reduced schedules because dozens of workers are now dealing with the coronavirus or COVID-19. So, the latest count from the MTA, and, and this will possibly change you know, by the time this airs, they told us yesterday 52 people have tested positive for the coronavirus. That's an agency of more than 70,000 people. Um, so... That, that, that's the figure they gave us. But the service itself on the subway, ridership has fallen 87%. Think about that for a second, all right? So on an average day in New York, before all this stuff started, it's more than five and a half million people use the subway daily. Uh, think about that being cut by 87%. So it's an enormous hit economically. Uh, but right now, what they're running is what the MTA calls the essential service plan, which is just encouraging those who need to be somewhere, first responders, uh, medical professionals, home health aides, those who need the service to get to where they need to be. That's who it's intended for at this point. The MTA has followed the recommendations of the CDC uh, and the state health department in saying, hey, people, get smart. Uh, stay out of the system. And, you know, like I told you uh, when we started talking here, I miss the subway. It's been, uh, I think, more than two weeks yeah. uh, since I was in the subway. I, I rode down from uh, the Upper West Side. I took the C train. I went to Penn Station, and I had breakfast with someone who, uh, a source of mine, at Penn Station, and it was pretty empty. Was it at Don Pepe? What? Uh, it was not at Tom Pepe. Incredibly, it was not at the legendary Tom Pepe Deli. Uh, often mentioned Tom Pepe Deli on my Twitter feed. But no, I, I had breakfast and I, and I thought to myself, well, Penn Station, which is obviously bustling, uh, it is uh, just not at all uh, its usual self. But I can only imagine what it is now, uh, what it must look like now, a ghost town. You know, maybe as you go in there uh, at 3 in the morning, and there's just a few people here and there. But the last story I did uh, Monday about the ridership, you see the biggest drop-off at the biggest stations in uh, the system. So Penn Station had had a nearly 83% drop in entries last Friday versus the previous Friday. That's enormous. It's 83%. That is, that is a lot. And we don't think about... We don't really think about how our fares impact the budgets, but they do. But let's go back to the work. Um, let's go back to the workers for just one second. Are the okay? A quick, a quick uh, factoid here. All right. 
right? So the MTA has a, a budget of about $17 billion, right? Mm -hmm. The Fairbox revenue accounts for 38% of that. That's enormous. Yeah. Toll revenue accounts for 12% of that budget. So we're talking 50% of the budget already and has shrunk right there. Uh, the FCA yesterday discussed some of the other changes that will be coming. Taxes will change. Uh, they've taken an enormous hit on what people are paying uh, in fares. This is uh, a mammoth uh, number that's being done on transit in our region. Uh, the MTA will receive $3.8 billion as part of uh, some federal emergency funding, uh, but it's been said that the MTA will need a lot more than that. Same goes for the Port Authority. Uh, this is vital, and it's not to understate the importance of uh, the hit that these transit agencies are going to take and what that means for the way people live in the city of New York. And I'm a transit reporter, so that's what I focus on. I talk about trains. And that's that's what I report on. But this is a mammoth story that impacts everyone. Healthcare, real estate, uh, culture, the way of life, urban living, urban planning, parks. It's just incredible how uh, far the reaches of this thing. Well, given how far the reaches are, but let's stay on a macro level, what is the MTA doing for the workers? Are they providing them with masks? Are they providing them with gloves? Or do they have to provide those for themselves? Well, at this point, the workers, you know, when, let me back up just a little bit. When this started, uh, masks were uh, considered part of the PPEs, the equipment that's needed for workers who were um, exposed to chemicals and fumes and things of that nature. Um, at some point during the, the spread of this, if you will, uh, some, some subway conductors started challenging this and wearing masks. Subway uh, operators and subway conductors started wearing masks, not masks, masks. And eventually the union, the transportation union, was able to get the MTA to say, okay, you can wear your mask if you want. It's not part of the PPE. We won't supply it for you, but you can do it and you won't get dinged for it. So it's okay. And you, you certainly do see a lot more workers these days, uh, these days wearing the mask. Uh, but no, the MTA is not, uh, at this point pushing forward. I've, I've written stories about it from the perspective of the bus drivers. You know, obviously the MTA has encouraged social distancing. Rear door boarding. Uh, the rear door boarding. They have blocked off the first three rows of the bus. Uh, and, you know, in the subway, same thing. It's encouraged that people stay safe distance from each other. Uh, stations are being cleaned more frequently. Trains are being disinfected every 72 hours. As opposed uh, to, like, the three or four months prior to that? It was significantly larger. Uh, the last time we talked, I mentioned to you how I uh, did a story when I was at New York One where I went to the uh, Corona Depot uh, and saw the cleaning process. So that's what they're doing now, but it's every 72 hours. If you think about it, this is a fleet of more than 6,000 cars. It's a lot of work. Then again, you know, the ridership was cratered. Yeah. Um, that 87% drop is huge, but people are still using it, and you have to protect the workforce. 
Uh, I understand that absenteeism is uh, very, very high uh, these days, understandably so. Uh, I had a story in, uh, on the city that NYC TV yesterday, I believe it was, about uh, the workers who are in crew room, not exactly practicing social distancing. Uh, to, to help that out, the FDA has parked some out-of-service trains, which are, they are not using, on tracks that are also not being used, and they're encouraging workers to use those as their crew quarters. So it's a messy and evolving situation. Uh, but again, it's, um, this, this world that I cover is very heavily impacted by it. It's a lot, man. So let's talk about the board meeting. For the first time, I got to watch it live as it went down um, online, of course, because everybody was online watching it. That was weird. It was a very different vibe than what I've normally seen, even though I never watch it live because I can't because I'm working. But um, it was a very different vibe. It, it was very somber. It's very quiet. It's very somber. Even like the public speakers didn't really say anything except you know keep up the good work and we're we're sending good vibes to the workers. Yeah, it was uh, unusual. So the MTA spread out its board members uh, at the tables. They practiced social distancing. They all had their own little tables. Those that were not uh, in the room phoned in. Uh, the Q and A with Chairman Pat Boy was uh, done mostly via Zoom, though I think a couple of the reporters were in the room. And it was, uh, the forecast was, was grim. You know, it, it started with the public speakers who, you know, God bless them, a couple of the regulars were still there. So, uh, you know, shout out to them for being so dogged and devoted. But like you said, they uh, mostly encouraged and thanked the, the workers who have been performing such an essential and important duty in this time. But once you got down to business, uh, you saw just how ugly this is and how ugly it has, the, how much uglier it has the potential to get when you talk about, listen to this, the 87% drop off in subway ridership, 94% drop off in the northern suburbs on Metro North, 70% drop off in the buses. 71% on LIRR, workers who are calling out sick, uh, fewer people are going over the bridges and across the, the tunnels, which have traditionally been an MCA cash cow. Uh, they're losing $125 billion a week, according to the MCA's chief financial officer. Uh, they project that they're going to lose about $6.5 billion if things keep up. Uh, the capital plan, which you and I have talked about a lot, will be fundamentally turned on its head, uh, upside down, really. I, I know. It's just like you're saying there's like, what, what does it mean for signals and elevators? They, they mentioned yesterday, Sarah, that one elevator project is found. Right. I'm sure there will be many, many more to follow. Uh, Many projects will go by the wayside, no doubt, or just, you know, put on a back burner. Uh, that's a long ways off, no doubt. So it, it was a uh, very sobering uh, analysis of what the MTA is facing. Uh, they did acknowledge that, yeah, they're pleased that uh, some 
some extent that they have this commitment of federal emergency funding, like the, the, the word was, it's not time to celebrate. They're gonna they're gonna need more. Uh, and uh, they put the MTA transformation plan on hold for now. That was the thing where they were gonna lay off some 2,700 workers at the MTA. That's sort of on the back burner at this point. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. It is. That's that's the MTA for you. If it's it's just it listening to it yesterday was just like I I I was just like we whatever you thought was when we were all excited, you know, a few months ago for elevators and signals and switches, now we're just kinda looking like we have to keep the trains moving, which means they may have to wait another couple of years. And they were talking yesterday about Payroll, yeah, you know, struggled to meet payroll, and uh, you know they've they've already uh, been making a case for federal funding. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a case for even more because it just goes to show you how central uh, transportation is to the well-being of our city. And when that goes, as has been said many many times in the past. It has a very, very serious impact on everything else in this city, and that is what we're seeing right now. How do you feel for Sarah Feinberg right now? I mean, she just kind of fell into this, like, what, three weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, Sarah uh, Feinberg, the new interim president of New York City Transit, she stepped into the breach when Andy Byford uh, resigned from the MTA. Uh, Sarah was previous top administrator at the FRA, uh, the Federal Railroad Administration, uh, and she's been uh, very active uh, in the MTA since she joined the board last year. Now, what she's got in her hand these days is an overwhelming task. And yes, you, uh, you, you have to feel for someone stepping into that and now look at everything they're dealing with. So how do you keep people moving? How do you keep people safe? How do you keep your customers safe? How do you keep things functional? But uh, they say that their top priority is, is uh, customer and worker safety, uh, a very, very heavy uh, duty to fall into for Sarah Feinberg. Uh, and again, as, as, I, as I've always said, it just goes to show you how this is really a really, really tough job. Uh, and, and, and good luck to her. It's, it's quite a task that uh, she and everyone else at the uh, MTA has uh, got to face these days. It's, it's so much. There's just so much. And like the rear door, maybe this will be, you know, in terms of buses, rear door boarding will become a thing now. Which would be positive for everybody involved. Sure. Well, yeah. you know, it ha has a lot to do with fair payment systems. And there was, uh, you, you do see non-front door boarding, or you can enter from rear doors on select bus service routes in this city. True. But there are, there are only so many of them. But, yeah, this, this has the chance to change how things uh, are done. And maybe uh, that goes for cleaning procedures, too. Cleaning procedures, uh, metro card vending machines, mm -hmm. you know, there are cash transactions taking place. Uh, you, you never think about it, right?
right? When you buy your monthly Metro card or your weekly or whatever it is, and you sit there and you punch your pin number into the vending machine and you get your card and then you swipe it through the turnstile and that's it. You never think about it. Uh, now everyone thinks about it. Oh, geez, you know, look at just buying a Metro card has become, uh, an emotional toll. Uh, yeah, that, that, that takes a toll on you. And, uh, well, it's, it just goes to show you how, really how widespread this is, uh, and also the uh, size of the task that they are up against in trying to, uh, maintain, uh, a safe system and, and is healthy for the customer base. Now, the mayor has decided to close certain streets for pedestrian-only traffic. However, it's like five streets when you get really down to it. Do you think he can do more to alleviate the exposure of the citizens of New York during this very difficult time? The mayor uh, came under criticism for a lot with his initial response to uh, the onset of coronavirus in, in New York City, and he's been criticized again for this uh, opening of streets, if you will, to encourage you know, what a social distance of thinking is, there's always more to do. But at this point, really uh, anything that can offer people some form of relief uh, where we can separate from each other is, is a positive thing. Uh, I go back to thinking, now this seems like ages ago. Last week I wrote a, a story early on in this uh, about how, you know, everybody's being told to stay inside and so on. And the city was still collecting or still dinging people for alternate side parking violations. Uh, that's gone. That feels like a million years ago. I gotta be honest. Uh, but anything to keep people safe, to keep people, uh, in, in, in positions where they're not gonna harm each other or, uh, spread this virus, uh, that's got to be the thinking in all ways uh, from uh, our, our officials who are elected and the officials who run uh, the transportation network in the city and the region. Given the current state of the world, what do you see for the MTA in the next six months, if you can predict what might happen? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I give it wow. six months because it might take six months for things to kind of even out and come back to regular everyday life. To say, I mean, geez, at this point, don't you just miss it uh, the way it used to be? I, I could go into a subway and uh, be stuffed in or be yelled at by someone or, you know, it's so crowded that you, you can't get on the train. All of that seems so distant and quaint at this point. But really, I think the huge issues for the MCA will be funding. Uh, I think uh, they, 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 how much money they get in terms of bailout rescue money, uh, that's huge. Uh, you have a workforce that is strained right now. That's a big issue. And, you know, there's a lot of unrest. Uh, as a result of that, um, that's a big issue. You have the future of the MCA uh, really at stake. Uh, what becomes of the capital plan? Like we talked about earlier, yeah, $51 billion to do all types of 
things that now will very likely be altered in a very significant way. Uh, and then, and then, and this is, this is important too, uh, how does this, and I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, this, this fundamentally alters, I think, you know, to some degree, uh, how people live in cities. What does it mean for people who use mass transit? Do they have confidence in it? Do they run away from it? That'll be interesting to see. The ridership is going to be a very interesting thing to follow, uh, just how it changes something that is a fundamental, central part of life in the city of New York. Now, this is just a general human question. What can we do to minimize our exposure while helping those who may be vulnerable? Follow the guidelines. Um, think of think of others. Yes, obviously. Um, but when when you know, they, the the transit authority right now is doing things in a way that are designed to uh, minimize contact uh, between its customers and between its employees. So they they say that's what they're trying to do. Uh, so if you must. Use the transit system, use common sense, um, which is a good piece of advice for really any, anyone at this point. Uh, think about consequences. These are, these are good things uh, to do. Uh, but, you know, what, what they tell us is, unless you're essential, stay indoors. But at the same time, you, 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 you want to... Uh, help where you can. And thankfully, there are a lot of people who come through and come up with ways to, to help those who need it, those who have uh, limited ability to get around. Okay. In our remaining time, is there anything you'd like to say regarding the current situation in the city and not necessarily the, the MTA? Well, you know, uh, I, I, I'm a reporter. I, I, I don't like to give opinions. That's sort of a rule that I try to adhere to. But at the same time, I, I will tell you that when I do step out, sometimes it's a little disappointing to see, and this is to walk a dog, uh, it's a little, little tough sometimes to see the number of people who are still out there. I, I stepped out to the grocery store uh, today uh, on the Upper West Side. I was, I was just, I was horrified, if, if I may use that word, at, at some of the uh, lack of separation in, in the supermarket where I went. Also, at the number of people who were treating this like a, a lovely spring day, which is essentially what it is. It's a beautiful day outside, but, you know, you have to think about this is not a normal time. There will be more beautiful days five, six months from now. One, one hopes, one hopes, you know. But uh, it, it's the thinking has to be uh, how to do what's best for the, the general public, the city of New York, for all of us to share uh, this city. Uh, that's that's got to be the thinking. Uh, you know, it's, it's common space. I've always said, you know, that, that people don't respect, and I'm going back to the subway here. I've always said this, that there's not enough respect for shared space in this city. And by that, I mean people literally, 
people throwing trash on the platforms, uh, people treating it like their living room is much, much worse. Uh, and so I think that, and, and again, I don't like my opinions because I'm just a reporter, but you, you have to think in terms of what's what's best for everyone here. It's, it's, it's a shared space. It's a, it's a tight space. This is how we live. We choose to live this way. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, uh, with city living at all. Uh, so, so people may reconsider that at this point. But just respect and uh, consideration for that we're all here uh, sharing this space, and, it, and it's got to be treated as such. With respect for each other. True. Very, very true. Oh, yeah. It's the most high-minded, thoughtful thing I've said in possibly years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you for sharing it with all of us. I was like going to therapy. <laughs> we all might need therapy by the end of all of this. But you know, I thank you for your time. I want you to be safe, be well, Likewise. and stay inside. I look forward, I really do look forward to uh, someday soon seeing your tweets about your miserable commute on the RT <laughs> Bay Ridge. Things have gotten back to normal, and really at that point uh, it will be okay, and I hope that's where we're going. So all the best to you, all right? I'll okay. talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. So long. So what did we learn today from Jose Martinez? As we have reiterated before, the MTA requires a lot of money, but it is also a political machine. Prior to the coronavirus, the MTA was running on debt and the financial outlook was bleak. However, we are currently in an unprecedented situation. When we come out of this, and we will come out of it, the impact will truly be seen then. How we handle possible changes in service and delays on improvements remain to be seen. I think it's safe to say the impact will be great. Normally, I tell all of you at this time to go out and vote. Of course, you should vote. You should register. And you should vote. We have seen the necessity of good leadership in this crisis. We need those who will make decisions early and not dither until political pressure forces them to do the correct thing. More importantly, we need to stay put inside. We need to stay inside. We need to be apart in order to come together. I know it is hard. It is very hard. I would love to be outside, going to work, hanging with friends, and complaining about the good old R-Train. Who doesn't want to complain about the R-Train? Kind of miss it. But we can't right now. Stay in. Learn to knit. Bake. Do puzzles. But more importantly, stay inside. And once all of this blows over, we can go outside, be together, and enjoy life. We are all in this together, but apart. Be safe, be well, take care of those who need to be taken care of. 
but we will be together outside together at some point, just not right now. So be safe and stay in. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope that Jose Martinez and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate. Or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out to Jose Martinez and myself. Thank you to Jose Martinez for speaking with me over the phone. You can find Jose Martinez at thecity.nyc. Email jmartinez at thecity.nyc. On Twitter at jmartinezNYC. The City at the City NY. Facebook at the City NY. Instagram the City NY. Find me podcast sarah at gmail.com and sarah is with an h this podcast is hosted on anchor.com twitter at exenezoom that's e-x-e-n-e-z-o-o-m instagram lights at the end of the tunnel one big word facebook lights at the end of the tunnel soundcloud lights at the end of the tunnel spotify lights at the end of the tunnel stitcher lights at the end of the tunnel Google Podcasts, lights at the end of the tunnel, although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcasts, lights at the end of the tunnel. Radiopublic.com, lights at the end of the tunnel. Pocket Cast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Castbox, lights at the end of the tunnel. Overcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Find them on Twitter at Oxroof Music, also SoundCloud, Ox on the Roof, and Instagram, Ox on the Roof. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.